Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrewer, for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm here with Nick Hare and Chris Ragg of Aleph Insights, and this week we're discussing being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Nick, you're in the right place at the right time at the moment at the moment can we yeah or, or, or i'm in the wrong place but the right time or yeah go on nick what, it's what's... definitely uh it's definitely always the wrong time if it's before midday but um, yeah. yeah so uh alaska the kenai national wildlife Resc- refuge okay. um a couple of campers there in june attacked by a bear okay. okay now they did have bear spray and an air horn with them but they didn't okay. have a chance to deploy them in time i don't I don't think either of them were killed. I think they were injured by the bear, but um, but they were evacuated um, okay. in one piece. Um, How was anyway, the bear? Jeff yeah. uh, Jeff Selinger said um, there's no indication they did anything to prompt the attack or did anything wrong. He said, but they were in Alaska. Those, he said it's one of those where you happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Right. And this is a phrase that gets wheeled out, isn't it? Whenever anyone uh, suffers what looks like just terribly bad luck. Yeah. Um, and I've always found it slightly peculiar because I sort of think, well, it wouldn't matter if it was the right place as long as it was one of the wrong place or the wrong time. Yeah, one or the other. Like, uh, you know, exactly. But, um, but you know, the point is it wouldn't, they wouldn't have been attacked by a bear if they'd been at home watching the TV, I assume. Mm. Um, you know, so so I think, uh, you know, there's clearly choices they made that exposed them to the risk of a bear attack. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, the question is, it, can, to what extent is that bad luck? Mm. Is it meaningful to talk about that being bad luck? Um, and to what extent is that, and in general, to what extent do we control bad luck? Is it, Do we make our own luck, sure. okay. um, as people often claim? And also, I mean, picking up on Chris's point, this is a rather anthropocentric way of looking at this. From the bear's point of view, he was in the right place at the right time, or maybe just the right place. Absolutely. You know. Delicious pair of humans. Yeah, to, exactly. To cobble up. Yeah. To nibble on. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, did, did the bear make his luck that day? Or, quite sensibly, all the bear's doing was just wandering around Alaska as he should be. Unlike Peter. Yeah, but even if I, that bear is currently recording a podcast for other bears... Yeah. Uh, he he's still going to be pondering the same question. Yeah, to what extent yeah. did I make my good luck? Exactly. You know? Well, um, I, I think it always it usually does turn out badly for the bear as well because I think they usually go and find the ones that are involved in in sort of random human attacks and, and give and, them a telling off and give them a stern telling off. Yeah. Uh, I I, th- I thought they don't do that anymore. I thought I think the right. the practice these days is to just accept that that's bear type behaviour and mm, uh, mm, not yeah. something we should be clamping down on. But kind of returning to your point then, um, I mean, are we talking about luck here? Are we talking about bad luck? Are we talking about uh, the extent that you make your own, uh, you know, the, to what extent you make your own luck or not? Because as you rightly point out, I mean, these people t- decided to go off to Alaska. If they had not done that and just stayed at home watching telly, you know, they would have been fine. But that leads to other sorts of logical sort of conclusions as well. Mm. But um, Chris, do you want to wade in? Well, yeah. So I, I think the um, the issue here is is not um, about the extent to which you can or can't reduce your risk of certain things. 
because obviously you can reduce your risk of a, of a, of a bear attack, right, by not being in a place where bears live for, for starts. Um, but uh, the question is the extent to which um, when you should, cons- you know, when you should consider mm. uh, that your behavior needs to change in order to reduce risk. So, for example, you know, you wouldn't go and stand in the middle of a motorway. Right. Um, and because you'd put yourself at a much higher risk of um, of traffic accident. Yeah. But you but you wouldn't you wouldn't say, OK, well, I'm never going to cross a road again. Yeah. Right. Um, and so so the, the question is, when when do you um, when do you put yourself at too, at too much risk? And also what what risks are not worth even thinking about? reducing you know where, where, how do you make that decision so you know the classic example is uh is lightning strikes mm. right you know that's that p- people think of them as very very rare events they are they are rare events but you could potentially moderate your behavior to avoid li- lightning strikes mm. right so uh, apparently 70 percent of lightning strikes um occur in in the tropics um there are there are places where um, you know, there's a, there's a place called uh, Lake uh, Maracaibo um, in uh, Venezuela, mm. which um, has has two basically 232 uh, lightning strikes per year per square kilometer, which is about uh, yeah a, a, about a hundred times higher than the global the global average. Mm. Um, so y- y- you know, and obviously lightning strikes uh, take place at certain more likely to occur at certain times of, of year um but people don't people don't ne- necessarily think okay well i'm never going to visit the tropics mm. because i'm more likely to get struck by lightning in the tropics but they might decide well i'm not going to go out onto lake maracaibo fishing in the middle of a lightning storm right yeah. you know um uh, so so where you know yes you can reduce your risk of a bear attack like if you walked into the bear's cave, prodded it in the nose with a stick, uh, you know, and called it nasty names, then you you would obviously say you weren't in the wrong place at the wrong time. You're being stupid, right? Mm. But if you're walking around a wilderness where bears do live, but they're not, you know, cheek by jowl, mm. uh, then you've... It's you not rammed, sense... rammed to the gunnels <laughs> it's, with it's bears. It's not rammed, rammed to the gunnels with <laughs> you bears. You haven't got to be walking over bears to get, to get no. anywhere. So, so, I, so I think there's something about... Um, the, the, the sort of the overall risk of the event at which you're in the wrong time wrong place for the wrong time of so with lightning for example mm. um the, the stats I've been able to get um uh, are mainly US stats and they they are very focused on sort of you know lightning uh, risks but um there are um the average number of death deaths reported per per year is about 27 mm. from from lightning strikes um and it, uh, do you know what percentage of people die from from lightning strikes? What you mean if they get struck? If you get struck, I would imagine yes. it's very yeah. low. So you've got you've got to kind of make it into that fairly elite club to begin with. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh. I'm going uh, to I'm going to say I, one. In, go on. I'm gonna, well, I was going to say five percent. Um, there's a but here, but keep going. Yeah, five percent. I yeah I I actually don't have a strong instinct yeah. although I have ten, I have seen I'm gonna say one in one in one in five instead 20%. it's about it's about one in ten yeah. right which oh, I I thought was right low I I I assumed like you got hit by lightning and it was kind of fifty fifty like I thought the 
the survivors were the exception. But mm. apparently, it's 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 a one in ten chance. But as an aside, so in, by the way, the... very very traumatic event to happen in one's life, and also it has all sorts of implications that are not completely understood when you get struck by lightning. So those that ninety percent, you think great, they just go off and have a great story to tell. Yeah, no. But anyway, yeah, no, definitely. I, I yeah, injuries not... aren't fun, you know. You always sort of hear about the number of people killed in World War Two, and and then you hear some vastly bigger number were injured, and you think, oh, well, that's all right, then, isn't it? But actually, yeah. being injured in a war or by a lightning strike yeah, isn't having... great. No, 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 it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not a win. Um, no. <laughs> but it probably beats dying. Better than on, the alternative, balance. probably. Yeah. Depends. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so so um, there are apparently uh, about um, about. 250 300 lightning um casualties mm. uh reported lightning casualties in the US per year so your your chances of being struck by lightning are about one in a million mm. right and and i you know the uh, the only moderated behavior i've seen i coached football out in um in uh, soccer uh, out in america one uh, one summer mm. and they did have a much more um what I felt was paranoid at the time view of, of lightning. As soon as it started raining and got a bit cloudy, they they had this big sort of um, panic, and everybody had to go inside and get out out of the out of the way. So so they you know they're moderating their behaviour to make sure they're not in the wrong place at, at the wrong time. But you've got one in a million chance of being struck by lightning. It's yeah. right, a good job Benjamin Franklin didn't take the same attitude. Well, quite yeah. But also this explains well, we wouldn't um, be recording this podcast otherwise. Yeah, this explains uh, America's poor performance relatively in the World Cup as well, because they keep they must disrupt training yeah. for everyone because every time well, it rains. Quite, it goes, yeah, but no, I. I, I, we'd have I think one I, day of football playing in this country yeah, if we did. I don't. I don't want to. Uh, we probably shouldn't spend the whole podcast talking about lightning, but I, but, but, um, Nick, Nick, but it is worth saying. Sorry, no. But listen, go on, go on. That, that one in a million yeah. is is across the whole population, which includes people who who spend their entire lives in the middle of New York City mm. and you know don't ever go outside. Mm. So if you're the kind of person who wanders around in a field mm. uh, routinely, whether that's because you're a farmer or a golfer or something, I'd say that you, you pr probably only, you know, let's say on average, maybe one in 20, one in 100 people are in that condition. So actually the chance is considerably higher. So if yeah. you're that kind of person, you're probably looking at one in, you know, something like one in 10,000 yeah. chance. Yeah. And if you're um, a professional so kite flyer in Florida... Negligible. Yeah. Then, then then you're in all yeah. sorts of, of, yeah. of bother. So yeah, um but but yeah, we we tend not you know, we don't court those risks, but but if you were if you happen to be outside, you know, doing something that's considered fairly routine and you got struck by lightning, you would you would say, Well, they were in the wrong wrong time at the wrong wrong yeah. You know, yeah, I think so. Uh, I looked at another couple of things just while we're trying to quantify it, the sort of bad luck element. Just, just. I mean, you can't do all of this, obviously. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, I, I had a look. ONS published some uh, stats on what they call avoidable mortality, right? Which yeah. is, I think, pre either preventable in the sense that they could have been avoided through public health or prevention interventions and amenable mortality which is where they could have been um avoided altogether mm. so you know um through timely health care so i guess that's kind of people who get injured and then because they don't receive the treatment uh that they ought to get they die mm. um, worth stressing that death is unavoidable though ultimately well, you one, can't put one, it off for it's it. a one no. in one right yeah 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 it's like it's like those emails that you kind of 
snooze on until next week and then next week you snooze them again eventually yeah. you have to deal with it mm. um it, i was interested in how low it was actually so they um they try to estimate the number of years of life lost for avoidable uh, 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 for preventable deaths right and per 100,000 population it comes to about 6,000 years of life right but that what that works out as per person i think is about um uh is about 20 days so on average people so the average person loses 20 days of life so we're exposed to uh, a level of if you like if we were all the same and we weren't didn't differ in our lifestyles etc on average we would be expecting to lose 20 days of life through uh, through avoidable mortality mm. which i i found surprisingly low maybe but um mm. you know so what it suggests is that most most life that is lost is not unavoidable um you know that actually accidents are rare these kinds of things are pretty rare mm. but then i have to say i'm not entirely familiar with the with the methodology that they use to calculate that but um uh so i mean i mean you know the idea being that if you're you know 40 and you um and you die because of an injury and that was preventable mm. then that is something like you know 30 30 40 years of life lost mm. um other things just while we're looking at sort of quantifying the amount of risk uh violent incidents in the uk mm. alcohol related crime um now in about 50% of violent incidents the offender is under the influence of alcohol um, 20% of the time, the victim is under the influence of alcohol and about 20% of these incidents are at a pub or club, right? And there's about 1.4 million violent incidents. So if you don't go to a pub or a club or you never drink booze, mm. you're significantly, well, I mean, you're significantly lowering it. Not, not, you're not certainly not slashing your risk of um, being the victim of a violent uh, incident. But you're cutting it by about twenty percent, which you know I, could could be could be considered significant. Um, I mean, I, I, but, I always but, maintained that mm. um, that you could definitely significantly lower your chances of getting into a fight, you know, through your through your behaviour. Like the, the I, I always felt that you know that you that you basically by by not being aggressive towards other people by not being an ass by not being an ass but you know the the number of occasions where somebody walks over to somebody and kind of attacks them out of the blue must must be really really small mm. you know mm. there has to be some sort of altercation before the fight occurs and as a sort of you know middle class weakling the solution is always to <laughs> apologize you know profusely for whatever obnoxious thing it is let me buy the other person drink, has mate. actually done mm, you know yeah. yes sorry you spilt your drink all over me um, yeah. that kind of thing well that brings um, me on to a couple of questions which i think you know so i think what was just to sort of sum up a bit mm. i think we're saying that there isn't that much bad luck to go around and and, and there's not in general a great deal you can you can do but let, there's a couple of things uh questions that arise out of this which is okay how obviously it is a trade-off and we're, we're making decisions to expose ourselves to additional risk 
um, in order to enjoy things in life. You know, the classic example, people think everyone says is, well, you'd never go out if you were really worried about risk. Well, actually, there's quite a lot of accidents that happen at home. So you'd also have to do things like never have a bath uh, mm. or, or get, you know, even go use the stairs. Never stairs toast are, bread. No, yeah. exactly. Stairs are killers. So live in a bungalow, never bath. Um, and uh, but but I mean, you know, the point is, that even if you do all that, you're not you're probably not adding a great huge amount of life to to your already fairly miserable existence. Mm. But so we're, we're choosing to expose ourselves to certain risks. Um, now, there's there's two things here, like when those risks do go bad. So when we get unlucky, when we turn out to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, under what circumstances should we um, uh, should we feel sorry for people in that condition? Um, so, you know, in other words, in to what extent have people uh, taken that risk on? And and of course, this relates to this issue of victim blaming as well, which is obviously something we try to avoid doing is um, sort of saying, well, you know, you were you were drunk and you were in a pub. Mm. So, you know, that is kind of your choice to be exposed to the risk of being beaten up. Um, we, we don't really like doing that. Um, so. I guess it's a question of who we think owns that risk um, and and whether or not we should take responsibility for its outcomes and to what extent. And, you know, if that if that risk is caused by lightning or a bear, we're, we're probably um, less inclined to um, to to blame the cause. But of course, if it's if it's if it's someone beating you up in a pub it feels like you want to say, well, I, I don't really want to blame the person, the victim here uh, for putting themselves in that condition. I, I, you know, I want to, uh, we want to blame the perpetrator. So yeah. it's, I think, I just wonder how the, how that works. Cause I think it, we're a bit inconsistent about all this. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if you want to answer that, Chris. Yeah. Well, I, I, I sort of think there's a, there's an, there's an element of, um, uh, the culpability of the individual, right? So I think the wrong place and the wrong time. Like, so you know, the one that that um, I'm I'm always um, intrigued by is is mountain climbers, right? Mm. Mountain climbing is is dangerous. Mm. Okay, uh, you know, it's more dangerous than um, than most other pursuits. And I think climbing uh, Everest was when we looked at so, a past podcast. Oh yeah, way more dangerous than smoking. Climbing yeah. Everest is one of the most dangerous things you can do, I think, in yeah. terms of no, the exactly. expected so, life loss. So, but the point is, if somebody uh, is climbing up something and they fall off it, right, because of some climbing error that they make, then, then that's you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't use the phrase they were in the wrong place at the wrong right. time. Yeah. But if there were an avalanche and you know they were hit by an avalanche, you might you might use that. So there's something about the agency of the of the individual uh, sort of involved. You know, if it's if it's a kind of external um, force that that affects them, I I think we have a sort of sense that that was the the wrong place at the wrong time. But mountain climbers are a good case in point because every time I see you know. Uh, you know, father of four dies, you know, swept off a, a mountain, tragic case. And I sort of think, well, actually, that that's I, I always feel mountain climbers are quite selfish 
people from the point of view of, <laughs> of uh, you know, exposing their family to the risk of them dying. Yeah, um, I must say, actually, so, 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 I was sorry. And I just always used to use them as an example of the inequity of smokers having to pay tax on cigarettes. Mm. And I, I always I didn't never knew why they wouldn't put equivalent taxes on mountain climbing equipment since it's. Uh, you know, an even more dangerous activity. But yeah, sorry, carry on, Chris. Yeah, so I, so I think there's an element of um, uh, the the extent to which the person is involved, their own agency is involved in the in the issue. Um, I think there's also an element of how much additional risk are they um, are they exposing themselves to uh, is another sort of you know. So if they're doing something uh, manifestly dangerous then they're not in the wrong place at the wrong time, even if something outside of their control affects them uh, because they're doing something dangerous. And then I think the third thing is the extent to which you can know about the risk or see the risk. Mm. So like, like I'm thinking about something like, um, you know, the, va- the, the um, COVID-19 spreading, right? Mm. At some point you're, you're, you're in the wrong place at the wrong time time if you if you catch it you know you, you pick it up from uh, uh, somebody but you can't really be expected to to know that I mean you could say you know obviously we have our lockdown um, kind of restrictions which which make us less likely to be in the wrong place at the wrong time hmm. um, but that but you can't see the virus so that, you know you, you sort of it's a hidden thing that you could pick up at any point and so I feel like you know these these People who venture out once, you know, and then they they get the vaccine, they get the um, uh, the virus from you know some some inter one interaction they had or something, and, and you think, okay, yeah, they were in, in the wrong place at the wrong time. So I, I think there's sort of a, a number of elements that affect our our thinking about that phrase. Sure. Yeah, I th- I feel like there isn't what phrase. Well, what, no, because I, I just want to say that I think look, I think we're sort of um, skirting around this and bumping around a bit. I think there is validity to that phrase and you know kind of summing up I think what you've both said which is um that sometimes people do stupid stuff that's going to get them killed or or stuff and we and we get when that happens right yeah but I th- I think what you what this like the way that I'd summarize this is um it is not the level of risk uh per se or and I and I see Chris's point about kind of the sort of is it an external force or something mm. you had agency over I'm not sure that can be made meaningful on a fundamental level although it certainly it has an intuitive validity but I, I feel like what this involves is a judgment about whether or not the risk trade-off they made was reasonable yeah. in some sense like like and also you are know, our perceptions they, accurate i think that's one of the things there's an inaccurate mm. perception of risk so i think a good example is well maybe it's not a good example um is the smoking cigarettes versus um climbing everest people it's skewed by other values um, I would say, but um, yeah, I mean, I mean, whole, people enjoy smoking, right? Yeah, so they, they've made a trade of, but, but, and, but and sorry, smokers are always, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Nick, and 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 the other one is like the famous um, Malcolm Gladwell example of you know of um, middle class parents not letting their kids go around to another house they know that the father keeps a gun, but they don't worry about going next door where they've got a swimming pool and the swimming the kids more far more likely to die in a swimming pool. Mm. So it's this perception. But anyway, sorry, Nick, I interrupted you. Go on. No, that's that. I think that's a good that's a good example. I, I think I, uh, that's right. But I feel like and then the culpability will relate to that judgment. You know, it's not actually well. You took on right. some risk, right? 
but it's you took on some risk and it was needless or did not correspond to a sufficiently good payoff or you know so i think we're making a judgment about the quality of the decision making um somewhere mm. um yeah. but no i just wanted to say about bad about what we mean by luck actually chris's thing made me think about that the covid issue mm. um is because uh, i mean really what we mean is um you know when we talk about luck we're talking about uh, a kind of ignorance you know it's an ignorance of well let's say where the bears are right now or you know in the case of smoking Mm. there is one cigarette out there which will be the one that gives you cancer you know we talk about it as though it's well a a kind of probability over time but actually really it's it's you know that there will be one event where you get cancer if you knew which cigarette that was you could just avoid that cigarette and have the next one yeah exactly skip that one 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 give it to someone you dislike it's a bit like Um, baldrick carving his uh, name on the bullet carving his own name on the bullet yeah yes he's got the bullet that's got his name on it he's fine yeah uh, that's right so i think and i think that that's you know really if the the sort of cure for luck is is information and i I think you know that that that's um you know that's probably at the root what we what we're you know where luck bad luck comes from is is the same as ignorance but um yeah uh yeah Um, i I think for for yeah, well, what I was going to say, Chris, is we kind of need, uh, there's a question I want to ask, but um, so we need to move towards a conclusion and perhaps if this might be the opportunity. Go for it, Chris. Yeah. Well, no, I was just going to say that um, I, I think you're right, Fraser, that it is values laden, though, because um, there's definitely a morality to the, yeah. to the phrase. And that's, that's why, you know, you, you, I, that's why I don't think it can be broken down purely analytically, because... Um, you know, like, like if you take, for example, let's say a police officer uh, killed in the line of duty, yeah. right, sh- shot, and you would say, well, you know, they, they walked into this situation and they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. But a drug dealer who gets shot, mm. you, you wouldn't say they were in the wrong place at the wrong time because you would think, well, they're in a hazardous career. Well, so are police officers. Yeah. But but because they're doing you know something morally bad and police officers are doing something morally good mm. um we we use that phrase to to you know put that put that um varnish of, right. of of values on top of it and also you know hey and here's another um aleph lesson here i think which is that um there's another layer on this which is um aims what are your aims in life so let's say you're that drug dealer, but you absolutely love tr- dealing drugs. It's a great environment. You meet great people, lovely friends. You have you get to have some free drugs as well. You have a good life. It's fine, you know. And all right, you end up sort of, you know, a deal goes wrong, you get shot and so on. But hey, you were living your best life. So yeah. who's to criticize, right? It's, you know, not, yeah, just. <laughs> well, you shouldn't get high on your own supply. You should not. Knows that no. phrase. Yeah, so. yeah. Any drug dealers out there? Yeah. Um, look, are we, take that on are board. We, uh, um, anything else we want to say before my question? I just, I just want to throw in a reference to Borges because we uh, can, right? Because uh, he wrote uh, one of his short stories was uh, uh, the Lottery in Babylon, which is really good fun. It's, it talks about this lottery in a, a sort of putative fictional lottery in Babylon mm. in the ancient times, um, where they decided to make it more spicy by adding punishments. So sometimes you would, uh, you know, you would be imprisoned or fined, or you know, your your house would be burnt down. Mm. Um, and eventually, because everyone everyone uh, joined the lottery, everyone played the lottery. Mm. Um, eventually, they stopped selling tickets and they just g- gave out the 
punishments and the rewards. And the the idea the idea is the suggestion is that actually all luck in life, good and bad, is is still being uh, you know administered through the the lottery officials mm. who are operating in secret. I think it's a really fun idea. Mm, I like that, and that seg- segues nicely to uh, the question that I've got. Um, let's see if you think it's a worthwhile question. It's quite an obvious one, uh, which is give us an instance of massive good luck notwithstanding everything we've been saying about you know perceptions etc um yeah when were you in the right place at the right time or when were you in the wrong mm. place at the wrong time um, I, I can tell you where i was in the wrong place at the right time yeah or, or rather the right place at the wrong the um i might have mentioned this before i think because it's got a connection to my cursed my cursed uh painting um, oh, but I, don't know uh, I, I won't mention that now. Uh, they, well, I, I've got a, uh, a print of uh, El Triunfo del Muerte, which is uh, a, a, a Bruegel uh, painting that's in the Prado. In and I, I, being a sort of slightly morbid teenager, I bought a copy of it, and it's basically zillions of skeletons roaming around murdering people. Oh. It's, it's quite quite an exciting painting, and. Um, uh, I put the painting up on, uh, uh, you know, the print rather on, on my wall as a teenager and uh, was doing some revision in my room and then um, went upstairs for a couple of minutes to get a cup of tea or something. And I heard this enormous crash, mm. uh, a, a really loud rumbling sort of crash. Mm. And when I went into the room, my shelves, which were on the wall, had all fallen down with everything on them, right on top of where I would have been <sighs> sitting if I'd have been doing my revision. Um, and, and they were actually also above my bed. So had I been in bed and when that had happened, uh, it could have been a pretty Curtains uh, unpleasant. Curtains Yeah, but the only thing that was left standing uh, around my desk was this painting. So I thought, well... <laughs> You know that that's this is death reminding me that ultimately he will have the triumph yeah. over me. But uh, in the meantime, I, I have to keep hold of that painting. You see, I can't. Yeah, I this, decided it's cursed. This is like either the start or the end of a horror movie. Uh, but yeah, mm. yeah, I rather like that. So I'd like to say I've been unlucky in some things, but actually, it's always just been bad judgment. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> you know, um, it's the wrong person at the wrong time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think one sort of thing is it wasn't exactly lucky or unlucky, but I used to live in the Middle East and I lived in Qatar. And um, and it's not really an example, but maybe it's just another version of the conversation that we're having. So I used to drive through the desert every day to this place called Raslafan, which was the other end of the peninsula. It's quite a small peninsula, so it only took about an hour or so. And you think, oh, the desert, driving through the desert, that sounds lovely. No. What can go wrong? Yeah, well, no, but also, I mean, most desert, I mean, or certainly this desert, it was just like, you know, desolate, rocky kind of stuff. And there were warning signs about camels everywhere, which is always quite fun. Mm. Um, but anyway, it, Qatar is quite a dangerous place to drive just because the level of um, the ability of most drivers there is pretty awful, to be honest. And, the, you know, the accident rate is horrific, you know. And I was just having a chat with a fellow teacher and we were having this kind of risk reward kind of conversation. And and I, I, I think we were... Ha- he said something which I didn't understand, and then I did understand. And he's and, and we, which was that, you know, it's if someone said here's a thousand pounds to go and sort of walk off a cliff or whatever, you'll be fine. You wouldn't do it. Yet someone pays you because you get paid quite well in Qatar. If someone sort of pays you, you know, thousands per month to sort of drive through the desert or stuff, you'll go, yeah, that's no, yeah, fine, I'll do that. But actually, you're doing something really dangerous. And so I had a very dangerous drive every day, really, without even thinking about it. Um, but that's no, that's not really an anecdote. I once fell through some ice, okay? Um, 
you, good luck, bad luck, stupid decision. Well, I mean, it wouldn't have happened if you weren't standing on ice, right? So there's so it wouldn't, there's a way you could have. Yeah, that's I could have avoided the like risk that, of that right? happening. Don't so yeah. so. I mean, if it had been the summer, you'd have been walking on water, <laughs> right? Yes, yeah, so exactly. that have been the... just one step away from yeah from divinity, really. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, but also I was drunk. I, I was young. I was drunk. It was springtime, right? Um, it was nighttime, and and maybe you know. You shouldn't put yourself in that situation and walk across like um, a lake come river. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, you say shouldn't. I mean, I, I would argue <laughs> definitely not. Um, rather yeah, than that so being anyway, but debate. what was the outcome? Did you go? Did you go under? Did you get out? It gets worse because I was really lucky. Hey, there you go. There's that phrase. And actually, there was someone in front of me. We threw both through fell through the ice at the same time. And by the way, we're walking across the river because it was miles to go round over a bridge. And we both fell through the ice at the same time, but we were lucky in as much as just like just our our legs went in, we managed to clamber out. So no sort of horrific deaths or getting swept away under the ice or stuff. But here's 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 the icing on the cake, right? Um, the ice on the lake. <laughs> yeah, we both managed to get out. I think we retracted. So, to cut a long story short, I got attacked by a gang of dogs in the same night. Okay, by a gang of wild Polish dogs, which happens a lot, like abandoned dogs in the city centre. But but wow. To put it on the other side, I was running through the street screaming as well, like whooping and, you know, so I can't help but feel I brought You were it. so full of joy at having yeah. avoided an icy yeah. death that you yeah. got uh, mauled by dogs. Yeah. With yeah. legs of mutton yeah. in his pockets. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, and I was worried I got rabies because, you know, I did get, you know, blood was drawn. But again, I can't help feel that I sort of uh, drew it on myself a little bit. Yeah. Dodged, dodged yeah. a bullet. I don't think uh, anyone would have said you were in the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> I don't think they would have. I don't think they would have. Anything for you? Yeah, well, um, uh, just where I was in in sort of nearly the wrong place at, at the wrong time. Mm. Uh, when I was a student, I was asleep one one night, mm. um, coming back to um, something we were talking about earlier, and um, there was this sort of blinding flash and and boom, mm. uh, which I could see through my through my closed eyes, mm. um, and uh, it, it, it was obviously a lightning strike right at you know very close to to the building i was uh i was in uh, now luckily i was in the building and not you know fishing outside or something yeah. but um uh but that was when i realized quite what what lightning is up you know you you obviously normally you're kilometers away from it or whatever mm. but that was that was quite a, a humbling uh experience mm. and uh yeah mm. If uh, if if Zeus had uh, had been a bit more accurate that day, maybe uh, maybe I wouldn't be here today. Yeah, I don't know. I, I wonder if that comes under the category of near misses, but maybe maybe that's different to to wrong place, wrong time, right place, right time. I don't know. Okay, um, I think we'll wrap up there. So um, as always, thanks for listening. If you have any thoughts or suggestions for topics, you can email us at podcast at alephinsights.com. We'd love to hear from you. Um, if if you've enjoyed the podcast, what should people do, Chris? They should strike the like button with righteous fury. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. All right. Thanks, as always, for listening. I'm Fraser McGrew. We've been here with Chris Rag and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights. And until next time, goodbye.